Good morning, everybody. Welcome to North Haven. Uh, if you're here in person, thank you so much for being with us. If you're joining virtually, same to you. And if you're new, if uh, you're relatively new or if this is your first time and we haven't connected yet, I would love a chance to connect with you here this morning. Uh, so please, you know, introduce yourself uh, in the commons and um, I would love to know not only uh, who you are, but how I can be praying uh, for you and support you in this process of journeying and finding and following Jesus. And if you're joining with us virtually and we haven't connected yet, you can either send me an email at adam at northhavenchurch.org or you can write in the comments or click on the prayer button and I'll make sure to get in touch with you this week so that we can connect. Uh, we are excited about what's happening this next Sunday. I'm excited. September 19th. We just saw that video Back to Church Sunday. This is a national deal. It's been happening for a number of years, um, uh, but this year is, is, is uh, just much more potent, I think, and important than in years past. Uh, a national Back to Church Sunday, an opportunity for us to, to reinvest um, in what God wants to do in this place and in our lives. And, and so we not only want to be a part of this, but we also want to invite our family and our friends, our neighbors, those in our circle to be a part of this as well. Uh, so we have invite cards. You either got those when you came in, or if you didn't, there are some in the comments. We ask that you would grab a, a handful of those, four, five, six, and then you know, distribute those to people that you think you know, need to reinvest in, or maybe even for the first time, come to church and experience community and hope and healing. Uh, and so next week, we're going to talk about what hope is. And in the midst of what can often seem like a hopeless world, we're going to look at instead that hope is here, uh, and it's in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, over the past couple weeks, we've been investing in a series called The Three-Legged Stool. And so we're going to conclude that here today. Uh, before we do, I just want to let everybody know here as well we, uh, we had a great um, uh, service remembering Artis Kittleson um, memorial service this last week. So thank you to um, all those that came and were a part of that, um, helped make that possible. I also want to just remind you, too, that we're going to have a memorial service for Truman Ingersoll, and that's going to be on September 25th. Uh, the visitation will be at 2 p.m., and the, and the funeral will be at 3 p.m. So you're welcome to come and join us for that. So back to the three-legged stool. Uh, when we talk about this three-legged stool, we're talking about the three legs that hold up uh, who we are as a church. What is North Haven? And we've been looking at that the last couple weeks, but we're going um, to circle back again here today and start by looking at North Haven's mission statement. North Haven's mission statement. So this is, this is our mission statement here at North Haven Church. We connect at a deeper level to Christ by intentionally pursuing a growing relationship with him and to each other by purposely building loving relationships and to our community by actively working together to introduce families to Christ. Three legs of our stool, three-legged stool, connect to Christ connect to each other, and connect to our community. Connect to Christ, connect to each other, and connect to our community. And over the past couple weeks, we've just touched the tip of the iceberg when, it's when it comes to the previous two legs. And as I mentioned two weeks ago, 
We could be talking for the next year about what it means to connect to Christ. There's so much involved just in that leg of the stool. And similarly, last week we talked about what it means to connect to each other. And there's so much we can unpack about that. But we, again, just touched the tip of the iceberg. So we're going to do that again here today when we talk about or begin to talk about what it means to connect to our community. Uh, Now, one thing I want to just point out is that with the previous two components, the previous two legs of the stool, connect to Christ and connect to each other, now whether they're done well in the life of the church, they are rather instinctive to any church body in that a a church doesn't have to throw a stone very far before it hits opportunities where people have to connect to Christ or to connect with each other. There's some semblance of that happening within each church building, connecting to Christ and connecting to each other. But the third leg of that stool, connecting to our community, that's often one that is not very intrinsic. It's not very instinctual. Connect to our community is the, the leg of that stool that requires an intentional effort beyond what is normal and maybe even beyond what's comfortable. It is, it is refusing to be insular and instead consider life outside of these walls. So connect to our community. Again, we're going to touch the tip of the iceberg. What, what does that mean? What does that look like? And in doing so, we're going to, we're going to uh, touch on the, what is the foundation? What are the fundamentals that go into connecting to our community? And, and I'll start off by saying this, that in order for us to even begin to understand what it means to connect to our community, we have to first learn what it means to be a disciple. What it means to be a disciple. What is involved in discipleship? Well, we see a very, a very poignant um, a description of this from Jesus himself in chapter 14 of Luke. So if you have your Bibles and there's Bibles in front of you, I invite you to turn to those. Um, and Luke 14, Luke is in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And uh, if you don't have your Bibles, no worries. You can look on the screen here in just a moment. But we're going to look at verses 25 through 33 of Luke chapter 14. So starting with verse 25, Large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said. So these are, this is Jesus talking to us here in these verses. If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. And he continues in verse 28. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, Everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. And then he concludes in verse 31. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. 
Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? And if he is not able, he will, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace in the same way those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Now, admittedly, there's some strong language that's happening here <laughs> that, that probably, and maybe you aren't as quick to admit this, makes you feel uncomfortable. This is actually probably one of those sections of Scripture that you've come across that you've either heard or read before, and you read it or you hear it, and it, it, it falls into that, I'm not quite comfortable with what's being said there part of your brain, and so you set that aside, and you're like, I, I'm really keen on this, on this Jesus guy. Yeah, I'm all for, for that, but this little part here, uh, I don't know what to make of that, so I'm, I'm not going to mess with that right now. I get it. Because what we're reading there is uncomfortable, to say the least. To be a disciple, to to fully be a disciple of Jesus, you're supposed to hate your father, you're supposed to hate your, your mother, you're supposed to hate your spouse, your children, you're supposed to hate your brother and your sister, you're even supposed to hate yourself. Now, admittedly, for some of you, you know, when you think about that, you're like, well, that's not a problem. But uh, it, it, that's, that's another issue altogether. I mean, we're not talking about that here today. But, but that's really strong language. And, and here's the conundrum that we find ourselves in. When, when we assimilate Scripture into our brains and in our hearts, uh, we do so with our understanding of what words mean in, in our context, in our culture, in our day, of a, day and age. And uh, that meaning can influence um, our understanding, um, whereas we often need to take a pause. And we need to look at Scripture the, the way that the audience at the time of Christ did. What were they hearing? What were they literally hearing as Jesus spoke these words? Were they hearing, you have to hate your father and your mother and your brother and your sister? You need to hate your spouse. You need to hate your kids. You need to hate yourself. Were they hearing that? Well, we need to look at what exactly they were hearing. See, the first thing we need to understand is Jesus never taught, never taught to literally hate another person. I mean, even the greatest commandment. So love God, love others, and then what was the third part? Love yourself as you love yourself. So clearly you're not supposed to hate yourself, right? And, and then also in Matthew chapter 5, verse 44, Jesus tells us this. He says, I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So let's try, to, let's try to package that here. So on one hand, Jesus is telling us to hate our father and our mother and our, our brothers, our sisters, our spouse, our kids, and ourselves, but we're supposed to love our enemies? That doesn't make sense. That's not what Jesus is saying here in these verses. Jesus spoke in ancient Hebrew language, and then the New Testament was written in the ancient Greek language, Koine Greek, and as such, we need to understand how that 
changes the context and the meaning. The Greek word for hate that's used in this passage is the word missio. And missio means essentially to love less. Means to love less. So what is Jesus saying here? He's not saying that we are to hate our father and our mother and, and, our, and our spouse and our kids and our siblings and ourselves. Rather, Jesus here is saying that your love, your love for Jesus, your devotion, your love, your adoration for Jesus should be so profound. It should be so great that your love for others and your love for self should seem like hate in comparison. Your love for Jesus should be so great, so profound. It should transcend everything. It should be so tremendous that your love for others and self pales, absolutely pales in comparison. That's a tall order. That's a high calling. And it really begins to bring clarity into this notion of being a disciple of Jesus. A disciple of Jesus should love others and even their own life to a tremendously, significantly lesser degree than they love Jesus. But Jesus doesn't stop there. Right? And that he drives the point home. Because then in these two parables, he begins to then paint a picture of the life of a disciple in that a disciple is then somebody who should count the cost, should estimate the cost of truly what it means to follow Jesus. Being a disciple of Jesus is not a life committed to convenience. Following Jesus, being a disciple of Jesus, is, is not a life of convenience. It's not a life of expectation. It's not a life of your timeliness. It's a matter of his. It means to bear the cross of Jesus. It means to carry the cross of Jesus. It means willingly and understandably walking and estimating the cost of following him. So Jesus drives us home with two parables. He talks about one parable where there's a builder and then the other parable where there's a king and we read both of those. And in both of those parables, first the builder must come to grips. The builder must come to grips with whether he can refuse or whether he, I'm sorry, whether he can afford to follow Jesus. And the second parable, the king must come to grips with whether he can refuse Jesus' demands. So two things. The first, uh, illuminating and underlining whether we are truly counting the cost, uh, whether we are truly entering into a relationship with him, pursuing what it means to disciple, understanding that being a disciple of Jesus is doing so to its completion. It is willingly estimating the cost, not doing so half-heartedly, not doing so based on what's convenient to me, but seeing it through 
wherever he leads, to its completion. And then the king, the parable of the king, being a disciple, is then following Jesus, uh, obeying his commands, going where he leads no matter what. Consider this. Jesus never fails to lead. He never fails to lead you. Never fails to lead you. The same can't be true for me. I remember when we first moved into the neighborhood that we currently live in, I took my, uh, my family on a walk, completely convinced I knew where we were going. Seven miles later, I had a family that wasn't too happy with me. <laughs> on the contrary, God, he never fails to lead. Jesus never fails to lead. But we fail to follow Not only do we get so consumed, uh, so distracted by our own desires and our own wants, but we also struggle with courage. Courage to truly go where Jesus leads. And so two things. One is it's estimating the cost, not entering into a life of discipleship where we are following Jesus, not doing so half-heartedly, not doing so if it's convenient, seeing it through to completion, estimating the cost, and in the midst of that, going where he leads and doing what he calls us to do, when he calls us to do it. In your life and mine, Jesus does not want any of us to rush into a committed life with discipleship. I'm all about evangelism. I'm all about uh, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm, I'm all about uh, uh, revealing the hope and the life that can only be found through Jesus. Yes, Jesus is the Son of God. Yes, he died on the cross for our sins, and he rose from the dead, and he's living today. And yes, when we give our life to him, the Bible tells us that we're saved. That message needs to be sent. But one of the fallacies of the Christian life is that evangelism and discipleship are two different things. That's a myth. That's an incorrect view of how it is that we are to live our lives. Discipleship carries within it the message of the gospel. That is, to be a disciple, it is living out evangelism. And then it is walking with people through the process of their own discipleship. Jesus is not interested in anyone following him half-hearted. This level of commitment, though, is not for his interest. It's not for his self-interest, but rather it is for yours. Because a committed follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus is a person who lives their lives at its most complete level, meaning that the pinnacle of your existence can only be achieved once you truly commit to being a disciple of Jesus. It is only then that we experience the exhilaration of being a disciple. When I was growing up, um, my, my parents, so I was born in 1976, 
And my parents, uh, they listened to only, um, as far as I knew, three artists. And they had eight tracks of all three. Uh, they listened to Dino. <laughs> not, not the dinosaur from the Flintstones, but he was a piano player. Uh, they listened to ABBA, which, by the way, new album from ABBA's coming out. My goodness gracious. And they also listened to Keith Green. And Keith Green, I started listening to when I was as young as four years old. And um, the first album that, that I started listening to of his was an album uh, called uh, So You Want to Go Back to Egypt. Um, but Keith Green was a, um, he was a prophet. Uh, the words that he spoke, um, it's almost as if God gave him permission to make f- people feel tremendously uncomfortable, specifically believers. It was a call to action, but there was one song that even at a very young age just gripped me. And I, I, I could never get it out of my head, and I would sing it all the time. I wanted to take a moment and to share it with you here this morning because I believe that it is very poignant to what it is that we are talking about here this morning and namely what it means to connect to our community and be a disciple of Jesus. It's called Asleep in the Light. sinking down don't you care don't you care are you gonna let them drown how can you be so numb not to care if they come but you close your eyes and pretend the job's done Told you this 
just can't fight Cause it's asleep in the light How can you be so dead When you've been so well fed Cause Jesus rose from the grave And you, you can't even get out of bed The message of, of finding and following Jesus is important, and it's been entrusted to us, to the church. We don't do that half-heartedly, though. God calls us to a committed life of discipleship that is such where, again, the love that we have for Jesus, the gratitude and gratefulness we have because of the life we've been given is so much and it's so great that the love we could possibly have for others and for other things pales, just absolutely pales in comparison. COVID has done a, a, a number uh, to all of us over the last 19 months, and as such, it's, um, it's caused us to look at our own reflection, to gaze at our own reflection, understandably so. But we need to constantly and intentionally remember that our eyes should be open to loving God and to loving others as we love ourselves. And my hope is that as we, as we further this journey of connecting to our community, that it becomes realized in each of our lives and in the life of this church in a profound way. So that, yes, that people are saved, that people come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, but but that we also experience the exhilaration of being a truly committed and sold out disciple of Jesus Christ. Not only next Sunday are we gonna be diving into what hope means as we look at Hope is Here with Back to Church Sunday along with thousands of other churches throughout the country, but then the following Sunday on September 26th, we're going to begin an eight-week journey going through the life of Jesus, and we're going to use the framework of this series, the Chosen series, season one, uh, that is so fantastic, and if you haven't seen it, uh, you're going to fall in love with it just as much as I have. 
We're going to have study guide material. We're going to be addressing it on Sunday mornings, and you're going to have a chance to view that on a weekly basis as well. Um, but I wanted to show this trailer to you in preparation for that Sunday. Check this out. My son, they've run out of wine. Mother, my time has not yet come. If not now, when? Father. It has begun. What has? Miracles. Signs and wonders. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You have experienced a miracle, Mary. I saw him. It was incredible. Our Father. Our Father. Who art in heaven. Who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name. The man has a following. He's a rogue who answers to no one. You asked me before if I knew his name. Now everyone knows his name. And I fear for his safety. Throw this down for a catch. Do you think that impossible things can happen? That overturn the laws of nature? <laughs> that cannot be explained. Rise. son of Alpheus. Yes. This is different. Get used to different. My whole life I have wondered if I would see this time. Follow me, Nicodemus, and you'll see more. God loves the world in this way. He gave his only son. I'm going to tell everyone. <laughs> I was counting on it. Anything is possible now. Don't you see? Let's go. I was one way. And now I am completely different. And the thing that happened in between was him. I can't wait. It's going to be a it's going to be a great uh, experience, especially to share with all of you. Uh, we uh, share a lot in the life of uh, of a church, and uh, we're going to uh, share in this moment of honor as well as we uh, get ready to conclude our service. Uh, there's an individual uh, who, for the last 18 years, has been on staff here at North Haven. Uh, she has not only done uh, wonderful things 
through her occupation, through her job, but even more profoundly amazing things through her life of service, prayer, uh, sacrifice, um, uh, just loving others uh, as she's uh, clearly shown in the life of this church and in our community. Uh, It's my privilege right now to uh, ask Karen and her husband Steve to come up to the stage and we're going to take a few moments and honor uh, her. Would you give her a round of applause? Please? So this is, uh, this is Karen Dreyer. This is her husband, Steve. He's pretty cool too, by the way. And uh, Karen, as I mentioned, has been on staff here uh, as our bookkeeper for the last 18 years. And uh, uh, before, uh, you know, uh, before you think that that's all that she's done, uh, if you think that, then you don't know Karen. Uh, Karen has not only, as I mentioned, uh, worked in that position, but she's grown up here. Uh, They met here through one of those infamous singles slash Bible studies groups, you know, and uh, and they started their their, uh, marriage and they raised their family, and uh, so this has been their church home, and uh, it will continue to be so, Uh, but Karen, after, as I mentioned, 18 years of uh, service in her position as bookkeeper is uh, retiring. And, uh, and so we want to recognize her and recognize all the work and effort that she's put in. We look forward to what God has in store for her here, but then another opportunity as well. But I wanted to give Karen uh, a moment to share with you. So she loves doing this, by the way. I love being up here with a microphone. <laughs> um, so I started this job in 2003, and the next year... We built this sanctuary and commons and nursery area, and that was quite a daunting price tag. And it was a privilege for me to watch week after week, year after year, all of you faithfully and generously give to bring that mortgage down, and we're in a good place today after 18 years. And that was even after a pandemic of watching you continuously give and bring your checks to church and mail them. And um, that was inspiring to me in many ways. Um, I've worked with a lot of great staff here at North Haven, many who have become lifelong friends and, and all the volunteers that I've worked with, treasure and the counters and who have given their gifts sacrificially to our church to make my job easier and um, I've loved this job and my kids grew up here and in the summers when they were here they'd run around like they owned the place but um, I've been prayed for our family's been prayed for for so many years and that has been really special Um, But I'll be here still, and I've left my job in very capable, very capable hands, so. Thank you. So I'm going to invite our board chair up to the stage, Brad Jardine, and as he makes his way up, um, I want to say to you, Karen, 
that you have inspired me, you lead me, uh, you challenge me, and you've shown me not only what a true prayer warrior is, but the epitome of what I talked about here today. Loving God, loving others as you love yourself. Uh, you live that out. Thank you so much for all that you do. This is Brett. Yep. Those aren't for you, Steve. You're no, just you, you can just hold them, Steve. holding on to it. I know you're great at that. Um, I just want to say to Karen, um, you have been a tremendous help to anyone that's uh, been in my position. I know there are, have been several over the years. Um, you've just helped us tremendously with your, um, your your knowledge of the church, of the finances. Uh, I know none of us could have been uh, as successful as we have been without you. Um, helping us kind of behind the scenes. And um, both you and Steve have been wonderful friends to Bethany and I over the years. Um, when uh, I drugged Bethany here back in 2006 and we were still dating at that time, I must have had to come practice up on stage for the service. And Bethany still remembers to this day that you and Steve were one of the first people to, to welcome her and to get to know her. So um, from the very beginning, we've uh, just appreciated you, both of you, and know that you're gonna continue doing amazing things um, outside of uh, North Haven continually. So here's a, just a gift along with the flowers um, for you from, from the church. And will you pray? Yep, I All will right. certainly do that. Please pray with me. Lord, we, we thank you for bringing Karen to us for these many years and the, the blessing that she has been to um, all of those in our church, to uh, the, the staff and to those who've who've served in a number of different capacities. I, I know that you have amazing things for her uh, in, in the future. Um, I ask that you uh, have your hand of blessing on her and Steve as they, they move forward to a new chapter in their lives. I know that the, the ministry that you have in store for them is going to be wonderful and uh, you have a lot uh, that you have uh, planned for them in the future. Again, I thank you for the, the many years that she has served with us. And I ask that you give her a special blessing today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen, amen. Please, one more time for Karen. Thank you. Thank you. Can I give you a hug? Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Mm -hmm. All right. We want to make sure that we have an opportunity to continue to encourage and honor her, so we're doing that in several ways. One, uh, you were given a card as you came in. Um, that card is meant to uh, write in a note of encouragement uh, to Karen, a note of thanks, a thankfulness to her. Um, and then you can either give that to her personally or you can drop it off um, in the basket at the table where the cake is. So uh, we have cake uh, here to celebrate uh, Karen and her many years of faithful service. Um, and then we are in the coming weeks, more information about this. Uh, we're going to not only have Karen, but also our former youth pastor, Alex Moe, here. And uh, we're going to put a couple of trees in the ground to commemorate um, their years of service. Um, so more details uh, to follow on that. Speaking of which, one last thing. We're going to have a business meeting next Sunday in between the first and second service here in this room for um, all members. Uh, anybody can come and be a part of that, but uh, we're asking for members to, to be present uh, so that we can put our vote 
towards our next-gen pastor. We have uh, arrived at a candidate through the search committee process as well as the elder board interview, and that candidate is being presented uh, next week and uh, uh, for membership vote. Uh, so we ask that you please uh, try to be a part of that so that we can uh, affirm this, uh, this individual and then move forward in what God is certainly calling them to do. This is an important, critical uh, role in the life of our church, and so I can't wait to see what God's going to do through this. There's information about this candidate and the process that I sent an email. You can certainly read that in digital form, or there are copies at the information desk um, in a packet for you to grab, too. Thank you so much for being here today. Enjoy the cake. God bless.